You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey, gang. Today's guest is Liz Stokes, singer and guitarist for the Auckland, New Zealand band, The Beths. Liz and I break down their fan favorite song, Future Me Hates Me, from the 2018 album of the same name. Liz and I talked about the initial inspiration behind the track and how her original demo wound up evolving once it was brought to the rest of the band and guitarist Jonathan Pierce, who also produced the album. We touch on the fact that the New Zealand government has helped The Beths with financial support as part of their International Music Market Development Grant Program, and how this was integral for the band to initially tour outside of their homeland. And Liz couldn't have been kinder to me for messing up the lyrics to her song. I was convinced what I had written down was what she was singing. It's the Kiwi accent that threw me off, I swear. For all this and much more, sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey. I know from doing a little research that you and all the members were attending classes at the University of Auckland uh, in New Zealand, where you're from, uh, where you all studied jazz, which is very interesting. So you were studying jazz and decided to, to form a, a, a band together. Um, yeah, kind of. Like I, I knew Ben and Jonathan, who are uh, still in the band. Um, like Jonathan, we went to high school together and even back then were um, playing in like our high school bands I suppose and same with Ben who um this is like real boring um, but like I met him when I was at high school but he was at university but through his like version of high, high school like prog band or something like that and um yeah so we all knew each other like ahead of time but we all ended up studying at, studying at the University of Auckland yeah the jazz program there's like really really fun um it's uh, you can't really be maybe a jazz it's very hard to be just a professional jazz musician in New Zealand it's quite small so I feel like people study just kind of music and then you end up playing just lots of different stuff. And then you started out just just releasing some EPs and uh, you were one of the five finalists for the 2018 Silver Scroll Awards in New Zealand, which uh, is awarded by uh, APRA, which is the Australasian Performing Rights Association. And much like Canada and I believe Australia, and I know New Zealand, you've received financial support. Basically, uh, governments will give artists uh, sometimes money to go out and tour and, and they support live arts. That is very foreign to us Americans. Uh, mm. Our government sits on their hands they would never give us money to go out and tour so uh, I've always thought that is really cool so I guess the, they funded three tours through marketing development grants like, and I wish I wish we had something like that here yeah it's pretty special it's something that I mean especially this year um, it's been really important and like it's very validating uh, like, it, it, when you think about it it makes sense like we're as a, as a country we're extremely isolated like our closest neighbor is Australia but even that's like a, a few hours flight away but but also we're a small country so like you have to be a very very huge artist to um, be able to like make her a career just in New Zealand as a musician so mo a lot of artists or like a lot of businesses of like all kind I think you start looking out almost immediately into um and for musicians that means like thinking about whether touring internationally is um is an option and we have things like outward sound is the um is one of the funding bodies where they can they kind of help uh help pay for international touring just because when you think about it like to tour the states for us it would it would cost like ten thousand dollars for the four of us just for visas and then the flights are probably another ten thousand dollars <laughs> like yeah. like it's not we, i know we, we can't just jump in a van <laughs> Um, so it, we're really, but we're really lucky. Like it, like like I said, this year, I mean, it, with with the way that um, the country shut down for a while, we're of course very lucky again that that we've opened up because we had a we've eliminated it in the community. 
during that period of time we were able to shut down because the government paid people to you know like we we were able to get um uh, a, a subsidy throughout, throughout that period where um where everybody was staying home and that kept us afloat for for like a lot of the year last year well that's great and and, and to your point there's only so many times you can tour auckland wellington and christchurch uh yeah. you know you're <laughs> not, not not too not too big of a country i've been been to new zealand it's a, a beautiful place Lo- absolutely love playing there when did you come uh, so uh, first time I was there was uh, December thirty first of nineteen ninety eight. Whoa, New uh, Year's! Played, yeah, play, yeah, played played the Warp Tour in Auckland uh, back then. <gasps> oh my gosh, I didn't even so, know we had the Warp Tour. And oh, yes, I'm yes, so, and I'm uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you were probably very young then. But uh, yeah. any anyhow, it was uh, just always loved coming there. The last time we were there was in uh, two thousand fourteen. We came there with Pennywise and Alkaline Trio and, oh, cool. and uh, played a show. So a uh, very, very beautiful place. So the band uh, for five years, uh, you know, you, you were touring around, obviously, New Zealand. And I'm assuming you got to Australia. And I know that you did a uh, European tour with Death Cab for Cutie. Have you toured the States at all? Yes. So we've, we, we first came over. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what the, what the season is. I guess it was spring because <laughs> it would have been um, <laughs> autumn for us here, I think. Or maybe just going into winter of, um, of 2018. So it was before our first album came out. And it was kind okay. of, it started off as, um, like at the end of 2017, I was, me and Jonathan were talking uh, and then the record was like kind of finished, Future Me Hates Me. And we were like, well, let's just do it. Let's just like book a, like a DIY kind of like international tour and we'll apply for some funding and maybe we'll get it and we'll just do it and then we'll come back and, you know, we'll move out of our flats and then come back and start again, you know? Um, and it just, we didn't have to start again, which was good. It, like things kind of went pretty well. We ended up, um... Uh, signing with Car Park and we ended up just continuing to tour for most of that year so we we went to the states I think a couple of times and and to Europe a couple of times and over to Australia and uh, just kind of all over and kind of toured non-stop for almost for like around 18 months or so which is awesome Well, good, good for you, and it's it's testament to the the buzz that you've been building up. Just uh, it seems like every day more and more people are, are knowing about the band. Uh, the song we're going to talk about today is "Future Me Hates Me," uh, which is uh, from the album of the same title, your first uh, full length record, which was released on August tenth, uh, two thousand eighteen. Uh, did Jonathan Pierce, your guitar player, did he produce this record? I know he produced your latest record. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. He's amazing. It sounds so good. You know, I thought for sure I kept scouring. I was I was looking and looking. I, it wasn't on your Wikipedia page. I was like, who produced this record? And finally I saw it. I, just from the sounds of it, I thought you worked with a, a big name producer. And uh, I think there's big things ahead for Jonathan. The sounds are, are amazing on his track. Oh, he's going to be chuffed. No, he's 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 so great. Like he he um, it's something that he's really proud of. And, and he's, you know, like even on this new record, he's he's constantly learning about things and and just he's really excited about his microphones that he buys <laughs> you know it's um it's he's really he's really passionate about it and we're so so lucky to have to to have him as, as part of the band like he's 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 a real special person so that's great that you recognize that because he really is the sounds are amazing you know i'm trying to put my finger on the band's sound and it's just there's not one thing you you guys just have your own thing but there's i'm hearing parts of weezer i'm hearing parts of the breeders i'm hearing parts of Ver- do you remember veruca salt i don't know if you remember them yeah at all. i know a couple, they, a couple uh, songs yeah yeah I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of the cars i'm hearing 70s stuff i'm hearing 90s nuances but it has its own flavor and there's also a and I, I i'm careful of using this word but there's a maturity to your songwriting it seems like you you've you've been around for 20 or 30 years with the maturity <laughs> and, the, and I, I mean that it's just a really really well well written and immature stuff so i'd like to get into to the song now set it up for us do you remember remember when you wrote it i do i think it was, must have been in 2015 it's it's weird like i remember when i wrote like the scrolls that would become the song like it, um, which is how I write a lot of lyrics, which, which is just kind of like free writing. Mm-hmm. Just ninety percent of it's garbage, you know. <laughs> but it, from there, then I'll like later go back when I'm like playing guitar or something, and like kind of pull phrases or like ideas that I like, and then kind of like mold them, change the words around, make them rhyme better. It's exciting stuff. But yeah, I remember like when I kind of scribbled a bunch, and I think I from that same kind of batch of scribbling, I wrote both. Future Me Hates Me and Happy Unhappy, which are two songs on on that first record. And it was just, I think just 
getting home after hanging out with someone that I really liked and it felt like something was going to happen but then nothing happened I just kind of like <laughs> extremely dramatically you know like closed the door and like put my back against it and just like slid down to the ground it was just like I was being very dramatic um and I was trying to channel that I think a little bit but then you know I feel extremely self-conscious about that <laughs> and so I was kind of like you know the only way it could turn into a song is if it was kind of like making fun of myself for being that dramatic I, I like it and I can kind of tell that you uh from from your videos that you you guys you can take a joke and kind of make make fun of yourselves your videos are, are a lot of fun and I can totally relate to that my my band is uh, cut from the same cloth we can we can laugh at ourselves and I think I think that that's that's very important this song did you know that there was something special there when you first wrote it or was it just kind of another idea that you were formulating or, or was it like I, there's really something here yeah I remember making like the first demo of it which I kind of demo just guitar and like vocals on on reaper i think i knew it was good because like i I was writing a lot of songs and some of them you kind of i'd kind of finish them and be like cool it's finished not showing that one to anyone (laughs) it's no point (laughs) um but with that one i was like cool this is good enough that i'll you know i'll send it to the band and like send it to some friends to be like what do you think and um at that point i think i'd been writing for the band for maybe two or three years and I kind of had reached the point where I kind of knew, I knew what I liked, and and it, and um, it took a long, a lot of songs to kind of get to that point. But I was getting good at getting to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So when you demo stuff and send it off, and of course with Jonathan being a producer, uh, this song in particular, how much do you remember from the the initial idea or the demo that you you created when you sent it to to the guys? Uh, how much it, it it changed or evolved? A lot. Like my my demos are, are, are pretty basic. A lot of the times they'll just be. Maybe this is coming from like a, the, the the jazz background where to me a lot of a song when I'm writing it it feels like it's like it's the verse and the melody and the chords which is like that's what you would have on a lead sheet right if you're reading like if you're playing Autumn Leaves or something um, and you'd be like that's the song and then you can kind of like arrange the song um, and with, the, with with some songs it's different so for this one I did have the like the guitar riff was there the main one and like the voicings of the chords were there, but things were added in later. Like Jonathan added in the lead line that's in the introduction, and then like the drum feel and the bass part. Like I don't really write um, those those things. We kind of just um, arrange those together as a group, and then just little production things like that that you that you do when you're adding working in the studio when you're like this section needs something so. That all came together. Yeah, and right. I guess I, I guess I was kind of speaking production uh, stuff aside. Just I didn't know if when you write something like this is the song, these are my ideas, and this is what you present, or if it's like you said, more of a basic thing that goes through uh, a metamorphosis that becomes what it becomes w- with all the production stuff and everything that you add on top of it. That's how I write. I, mm. I'm amazed at people that just have this vision and do everything in their head and they they spit it out. So mm. I can totally relate to how you write. It's like okay, here's the riff. Here's the melody. Here's the basic chords, and then then you present it, and you you kind of all work on it together. Yeah, totally. I mean, the the lyrics are, is probably the one thing that I'm um, maybe a tyrant about. Like, a, not tyrant, but like I I, I find it very hard to um, <laughs> to collaborate on on lyrics. They just feel so personal. I'll take I'll take some feedback with. With. Um, <laughs> so that that's a struggle it, but, for you, and and, yeah. and, and no that. <laughs> And no, and that's that's totally un- that's understandable. When you're singing something, you have to feel it. And uh, lyrics, when you write them, and you write all of them, they're they're coming from a personal place. So I I totally get that. Uh, I'd like to to jump into the song now. The song is four minutes and seven seconds. It's got this amazing, great guitar hook when it starts off, and it just it just screams. It just feels '90s to me, but '90s happy, not '90s grunge and 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 depressing music. It's just got this happy feel to it and that guitar hook is just so catchy is that the one that you were referring to that you wrote initially yeah yeah so that was like what i initially came up with and kind of wrote the verse over if that makes sense and then kind of stripped it back yeah so there's a uh, 14 second intro of this part that's just so catchy and then we get into the first verse and the first part of the first verse it just kind of breaks down to what i'm calling this kind of fuzz guitar and and, and, the, and the bass and drums are just grooving and the lyric is um i never wanted to i didn't want to fall 
And and Liz, you're gonna have to help me with the second. The second word's the only one I don't think I know here. Is it I won't or I don't believe? Uh, hang on, I'm trying to remember the lyrics to my own stupid <laughs> song. <laughs> I don't believe that love's the. It's idea I don't. All. I swear. I swear. You say won't, which is kind of a cool lyric too. Okay, so I never wanted to. I didn't want to fall. I don't believe that love's a good idea at all. And then the back half of the verse, which I almost was going to call this a pre-chorus until it happens again with different lyrics in the song because it because the the melody changes here. Oh, this well-designed world, everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before. Uh, so set up, set up this first verse for us uh, lyrically. Yeah, sure. It's um, it's actually it's well-designed. Whoa. Everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before, which I know has fell for it is not grammatically correct, but it just um, it just sounded right. Gotcha. Whoa. Okay. It was written as world here, but it's funny because later in the song at the refrain, I did have it written as whoa. So, okay. Again, I have to, I have to say one of my favorite artists, and I don't know if you're familiar is, is uh, American band, the pretenders, Chrissy Hine. Mm. And then this part that the melody line here is just haunting and beautiful. Oh, this well-designed whoa, everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before. It's just awesome. And then you come into a, what I call here, a half reintro. Was that something that you remember writing from the beginning? Like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do a verse and we're going to go to this half reintro back into another verse. Or was it longer or was that written from the beginning or something that evolved? Um, yeah, I think I, I, the double verse thing is something that I do a lot. And I think it's from listening to a lot of like Death Cab um, for Cutie growing uh-huh. up. It just like this. And, and I know it's like it's it's a thing now, like in in songs where you want to get to the chorus kind of within the first minute, and I just don't a lot of the time. I just can't justify it. I, it just feels like it hasn't I haven't earned it yet. So I think I'm getting getting better at it now. But like um like for this song, the the chorus doesn't come in for ages. There's there's like an intro, and then there's a verse, and then there's like an interlude, and then like another verse, and then quite a yes. long pre-chorus, and then the chorus comes, and it's like a minute and a half into the song. I don't know. I I really like that kind of I don't know it feels like you're telling a story during the verse and and sometimes it just feels like I'm not ready to to go to that different place yet like you're still kind of exploring and like doing exposition I guess in in those first couple of verses what is so cool about this song the first time I heard the track this part particular with the back half of the verse the the oh this well-designed whoa part the first time I heard it and it came by I wanted to hear it again it's so catchy but it's foreshadowing to come at the last chorus when it does come back again and it and it doubles at the, at the very end yeah. of the song. It kind of bite, bites off that melody line, which is just this song keeps evolving and growing and the parts never get boring in this song. You know, you say the chorus doesn't come for a long time, but it works in, in, in this context of this song. It just it just works brilliantly because the parts just keep flipping. It never gets boring. And then uh, this I'm calling it a half reintro. Uh, then it comes back into to verse number two, and the lyric is, uh, and sometimes I think I'm doing fine. I think I'm pretty smart. And on the I think I'm pretty smart line, here's something that only happens on this line of the song. There's this arpeggio guitar part, this picking part. Sometimes I think I'm doing It happens again during the the what I'm calling the pre-choruses, but it just happened on that line, and I didn't pick up on it till probably the third or fourth listen. And it's just one of those production kind of ear candy things that stuck out to me. Was that something that that, that you could attribute to Jonathan? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a Jonathan line, and that's like a, a thing where when you're just arranging the song, I'm I'm not. I think I think he was playing that because we played the song live maybe for like a year or so before we recorded it, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that he just would have. You know, it makes sense if you're repeating the same, the exact same kind of, the lyrics are different, but it's the same kind of form. He was just like, something needs to go here. And so he put something there and it's a nice, and yeah, he's real good at writing those little, just like sparkly ear candy bits. No, and it's great because it's not there on the first verse. And I love that, how, how you know, that, that can really build a song and it does so in, in, in this sense. Uh, the next lyric is, I'm quite convinced that I can keep myself up high. And then we get into the what I'm I'm calling the back half of the verse. 
And that, I'm calling it a haunting melody. This melody is just, I can't get it out of my head. Oh, then the walls become thin and somebody gets in. Everything's less, but it won't happen again. And then there's an extra line this time where you say it probably won't happen again. (laughs) And those last two lines, the intro riff comes underneath those. And I'm thinking at that point, the first time I heard it, okay, now we're going to launch into a chorus, but it dips back down <laughs> in, into the pre-chorus for the next part. Yeah, it's a lot of bits. Oh man, I think that lyric is actually, I'm defenseless, not everything's less. I'm defenseless. Yeah. Okay, well see, I need to stop listening to uh, the internet and Google when I search my lyrics. That's how I do this. And I, I do listen to the song and I, I apologize for getting that Oh no, that, don't, uh, don't that apologize. It's, 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 it's kind of nice that someone's kind of gone through it and just like interpreted their own version i kind of like that idea as well (laughs) Um, (laughs) at least it's not your own bandmate telling you that your lyrics wrong then you'd have a problem with it (laughs) yeah yeah beat him up i'm just kidding we wouldn't do that um but yeah the yeah our songs have a tendency not all of them but quite a lot of them to be kind of like bits bitsy i guess like 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 you say like there's like in that verse there's like the first part of the verse and then there's the second part of the verse and then there's like there's a bit where there's the intro riff again so like there's like lots of they, they can be quite a lot of different sections, which we really like, I guess, <laughs> quite often. Um, sometimes we try to keep things more, more simple, but like it almost feels like you're yeah, like assembling a, a puzzle and then it's quite satisfying to kind of like be remembering all these parts and then like we're all like Jonathan and I like stepping on different pedals for every section while singing backing vocals at the same time and stuff. It feels almost like um, learning a dance or something when you're physically playing it. It's nice to kind of like feel like a song is... A puzzle that you're kind of putting together. No, and there's a lot of pieces to, to this puzzle, but it all, in, in my opinion, works works perfectly together. And again, the the pre-chorus, uh, this part, that arpeggiated guitar that I was speaking of, that the picking uh, comes back in, and it's just such a cool part. But everything kind of comes down here. And the lyric is, but there's something about you. There's something about you. There's something about you. I want to risk going through. You're opening up and being vulnerable. You want to risk the unknown, so to speak. Is is that what you were going after with with that lyric of of the from a relationship standpoint? Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of the stuff. I think, particularly on that record, it was kind of like balancing sincerity with like plausible deniability or something. Um, just being like, <laughs> I have these feelings, but I mean you know as a joke um and and so like i feel like that section is kind of like a transitional section to this kind of like it's a very almost like an optimistic kind of uh, chorus that's whereas the verse is very like sarcastic or something like i would never it's stupid (laughs) and then the chorus this kind of big optimistic chorus and the the pre-chorus is just introducing this idea that actually uh you know maybe it's not so bad real quick was the title uh, future me hates me was did you have that from the beginning when you were penning the song or was that something that came uh, came later that lyric it's hard to remember like th- there's lots of like i think media all the time around the kind of idea of like this is something that future me will deal with or like i, I definitely did <laughs> wasn't like inventing that concept but i think i had a lot of the lines and and they had a they had a rhyme scheme that kind of like future heartbreaks future headaches um, I think I had kind of those words and then future, it was kind of like, ooh, a, ooh, a, and then I had future me hates me. And I was like, oh, there it is. Like that's the kind of internal rhyme. And it also sums up the song quite well. I don't, I don't think it was the first thing that came in the song, but I think it just, once it, once I had that line, I was like, that felt like the heart of it. I, I love the lyric. It's uh, and I'm hope I hope I have all of these right. <laughs> uh, future heartbreak, and, and and here we are. We're at the first chorus, and, and you're right, Liz. It's about a, a minute and twenty uh, in, into the into the track. Future heartbreak, future headaches, wide-eyed nights, late lying awake, with future cold shakes from stupid mistakes. Future me hates me for, hates me for, and before we get into to all those lyrics, there's a really cool. 
it's almost like a slide guitar part. Almost sounds like a pedal steel. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about in that chorus, was was that, I'm assuming that's Jonathan. What what was that a slide he was using? There's like a high. Um, it's like new new new. But it's uh, yeah. I, it's not a slide. It's just but it's just like a um, really bright. Uh, it's I think it's Jonathan's Liz Paul. I actually play that part live, but I think we 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 recorded it on a few different guitars. But that was like one of the last things we added to that song. Like the song was kind of done, and we were just like the chorus. Just it feels like it's missing, like a sparkle or something. Like, uh-huh. um, and we added that, and we we're like, oh, this is cheesy, but we couldn't stop smiling. So we were just like, oh, okay, well, it has it has to go in. Sometimes you got to pour the cheese on Liz, and this part is so good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you left it because it really me too. and it just takes me back. It takes me back to, and I want to ask real quick: Did you have any '70s influences, or did your parents listen to music from the '70s or anything? Because when that part, that guitar part, comes in, it just takes me back to I don't know something like a, a Fleetwood Mac, or I, I mentioned the Pretenders. It just takes me back to that era, and it just it, it's just. It it makes me feel good. I guess that's the only word to de- to describe it. I love that part. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. We we've all listened to so much stuff. Like I I grew up listening to my mom had like this radio station called Easy Listening Eye in the car, which I you know I didn't know any of the artists, but like n- now a song will come on and, and I know I know it intimately. <laughs> uh, I'll be like yeah. I know the song like the back of my hand, and it was all and that looking back, it's all it was all like yacht rock and like kind of like a Billy Joel and uh, Michael McDonald and um and also like eighties stuff like Spandau Ballet or something like that. It was all just kind of like <laughs> easy listening songs from the seventies and eighties. Um, I know you've mentioned Death Cab, and and I, I don't really hear them too much. I'm and I can't. What what I think is fascinating about your band is I can't pinpoint one thing. It just keeps through, especially through this track. I just keep hearing different things that remind me of stuff, and it's just it's really cool. So that's why I wanted to to ask you about about some of those influences um, after the first chorus. We come back into a, a full band reintro, and and before we, we talk about that, just these lyrics here, the future heartbreak, future headaches, that chorus, do you remember if you had that initially, or or that was something that you, you kind of had to work on as as being the hook and the chorus of the song? Yeah, that was, that was, that was written, that was like, that stuff was um, part of the kind of like mishmash of, of, of like words on, on those kind of few pages, was this kind of like future things that were going to go wrong you know some of them conveniently rhymed so it was just kind of like like all these different things that also rhyme rhyming is very important to me (laughs) i know that you say you take some some possession of your lyrics but so when you're in the studio and these were just kind of like scat words you had in in a notebook or whatever but does jonathan or, or anybody else ever say hey what about switching that line or or could could there be a stronger line there? Do they say stuff like that, or is it kind of you come up with the with the lyrics in full? Generally, I come up with lyrics. Like, it, yeah, if 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 someone was like, I don't think this line is very strong. I'd 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 look at it and I'd go. I'd probably come up with something else. But it's um usually when the demo is done, the lyrics are done. If that makes sense. Um, but like you know, I'll continue tweaking them sometimes. But because to yeah. me, that's a big part of the song being kind of done apart from like middle eights i'm ter- to me oh, quite often a song is done when there's like the verses and the choruses are done and then i'm like we'll put something in the middle we'll do a solo <laughs> <laughs> i hate i hate writing bridges you do <laughs> what's up everyone this is jay reason i want to let you all know that diablo zen podcast is now part of the sound talent media family Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. That's yeah. funny. I most of the f- people I've had on the show enjoy writing bridges. You're one of the. I don't think I've had anybody say they don't like writing bridges. That that's interesting. Tell tell me a little bit about that. I guess to me, like this, it's so functional. It's like uh, this is to me. It's like well, because because I write songs in a very in a very I feel like old fashioned way or something where there's like there's a verse and then a chorus and then a second verse and then a chorus and then there needs to be something else so you can have another chorus <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um, 
I, I really like songs in that kind of like classic like structure and that's not how all the songs I write come out but like um quite often it is how they come out and I'm just like I'll finish most of the song and just like <laughs> I just can't I'm ex- by that point I'm kind of excited about the song and I want to kind of share it but I'm like oh there needs to be something else here <laughs> and so like sometimes it's really fun to come up with something and that's why in this song and also in like happy and happy the other thing is that I write a lot of words and so quite often by that point I'm like oh there's too many words in the song already like I write really lyric heavy songs and so I'm like do I want to write like an entire bunch more words and I'm like no so it probably needs to be like a either an instrumental section or like just a backing vocal arrangement so in this song for instance it's a backing vocal arrangement so you took the words out of my mouth, which we'll get to the bridge in this song, which doesn't have uh, vocals, which, uh, well, has has some vocals, but doesn't have lyrics per se, which I think uh, I think is important. I think it, it lets it breathe there, which is really good. Uh, there's a full band reintro after chorus one, which this is now the third time you've heard the hook. You heard it at the top of the song. You heard the, the half reintro after verse one. Now you're hearing it again. And then we go into verse three. You don't go into a bridge or anything. You're, you're back into another verse. And the lyric is, it's getting dangerous. I could get hurt, I know. I counted up the cons, they far outweigh the pros. Oh, and if word gets you down, it's the mob or a sound, I am drowning. It's too late for me now, I need you sticking around. And you're smiling, so I'm assuming I messed up a lyric. Oh, you didn't mess it up. So the third <laughs> line is, um, oh, and the floodgates are down, it's the mob or a sounds. So... Um, the floodgates are down. It's obvious. Oh, it's ah, it's the mar. Okay, well, it's funny because I got that lyric at the end of the song where it comes back. It's the Marlboro. Is Marlboro a place in New Zealand? Marlboro. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like a place at the top of the South Island. It's basically a, uh, the sounds. It's like it's fi- it's like fjords. Gotcha. It's okay. just like a local, wet landmark. <laughs> That rhymed. <laughs> Liz, I've never messed up lyrics like I've messed up your song. I'm, I'm going to own it right now. This is, uh, you've, you've got me good. And I, I'm I'm going to blame it on the lovely Kiwi accent. Okay. I'm not going to take full blame. <laughs> oh, please, please stop. Please stop apologizing. That's fine. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm trying to, trying to remember them. <laughs> no, I know. And it's weird. I've had people tell me it's weird to have me speak their lyrics back to them. Like, wait, is that what I said there? Um, I know. It's, it's, it's difficult. The... <laughs> I love the second half of this where you say, I am drowning. On this, the melody changes on that one word, on the word drowning from the other times you sing this part. Do you remember that? Do you remember you changing that or Jonathan or someone in the studio suggesting there's a, that there be a change there? No, I think phrasing is something that's quite important to me. I think that the the way that words feel when they're coming out of your mouth and the way that they sound, I feel like is really important. It's something that when I'm writing, the way that the words sound is like a part of what I'm writing, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So like the, the particular phrasing is quite important. So like, yeah, it, like more important than like having the exact same melody is making that particular line sound compelling and sound to me also like kind of sound natural or unnatural in a memorable way. <laughs> Yeah, it that it that just yeah. that one that one word and what you did there it stuck out to me. I thought I thought I think that's a really really cool part of the song. I love it. Thanks. Get into pre-chorus number two, which is the same lyric as pre-chorus one, because there's something about you, there's something about you, there's something about you. I want to risk going through on this pre-chorus though. There's either some organ pads pushed way back in the mix, or like a low register violin or strings. Is that there? Is that what I'm hearing? Um, you're hearing it and it is a just like a low fuzzy guitar Wow, it almost it sounded like strings or like a low low violin like pu- pushed back with some reverb on it, but that's that's a guitar. It's a really really interesting and it really it adds to that part, and of course, I had to go back and listen to pre-chorus one. Nope, it's not there. That is just another one of those little cool pr- production uh, qualities that I think is really, really neat. The Thanks. second chorus is the first time that it's a double chorus, and this is where the song really, as if it wasn't already interesting and took you on on this little ride, it it gets pretty pretty intense now just in terms of production and the different parts that come in the first half of the chorus is the same future heartbreak future headaches 
wide-eyed nights late lying awake with future cold shakes from stupid mistakes. Future me hates me for, hates me. And then it does a turnaround, uh, future heartbreak, future headaches, and then there's the woo-woo-oos, the backing vocals. And just add such a, a, a great part to that. Uh, whose idea was that? Do you remember who came up with that part? I think that was a studio edition. I think so in the year that we were playing this live, I think that particular line wasn't there. Um, but I think when we recorded it, we were like, yeah, there needs to be something in the second half of that second chorus. And it's the only time in the song that happens because the two choruses at the end, three choruses at the end are slightly different. So it was kind of like, is it worth making a backing vocal line just for this one part? And we decided it was. Um, and backing vocals are like, they're, they're, they're very present in our music throughout all of it. So it, it's not, it wasn't like, it was strange to put them in there. It was like, it was almost like we have this other thing, like we have this third guitarist and the third guitarist needs a part to play in the song. But the, for us, the third guitarist is our kind of backing vocal arrangement. It's like, we have two guitars, we have bass and drums, and then we have backing vocals. And it, when you're quite limited, I guess, in... The different instruments that you can play particularly live having this extra texture that you can throw in um to have an extra melodic part or to mm-hmm. kind of change the texture of a particular section is is really important to us so mine maybe jonathan came up with it you use the word i was going to use is texture because near the end here you can really start hearing the male voices Predominantly sounds mm. like you doing a lot of the backups and, and hearing hearing your uh, higher register, and then you can hear the male uh, voices come in at the end, which is just so cool with how it's playing off of you. And it goes into what I'm calling the bridge. It's a 12-second bridge, uh, instrumental, but there are four woo-oo-oos here, <laughs> but there's a counter melody with some ba-ba-ba-bas <laughs> happening there, uh, which really work mm. cool cool together. Do you, do you remember how that, was that another studio uh, thing that came about? So that, w- that one we would have had to, we were doing that when we were playing it live, when we were learning the song, like a year, a year before we recorded it. And um, that was like, I think we for a long time we just played the, because um, it's the pre-chorus chords. Yes, the, um, yes. Four and the five. Is it? Oh, I can't remember. Um, yeah, I think it's like the. Is it uh, C minor to D minor? I played it earlier. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So it's like that. Just like just repeating the pre-chorus chords, which is something I've done before in bridges as like almost as a placeholder. And then I was like, you know, we, everyone was like, we need to put something here. So I went away and I just like wrote a um, a four-part thing where like Ben and I do the woos and then. Uh, Jonathan and Tristan do the kind of counter melody line that kind of ends up together at the end. It's very ba 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 y, which like after I wrote it was like, oh damn it, that's like a postal service thing. Oh well. Ah uh, no, um, that part's great, and that's really where you hear the to me you hear you hear the male voices going back and forth. I'm calling it a counter melody, and that part's just so cool. And and I think it's needed. There's a lot of lyrical content up to this point. It's only 12 seconds, but it's perfect to set up the third chorus. And when the third chorus comes in. Uh, the band breaks down for the first time. It's just, you know, the future heartbreak, future headaches. There's a couple of cymbal hits. And then the kick drum comes in for the second line. Wide-eyed nights, late lying awake. Uh, and then there's like a light snare build up on the third line. back half of the third chorus or, or what I'm considering an outro and here's where I, I think I might have gotten the lyrics finally right uh, I did write <laughs> I did <laughs> I did write Marlboro here where I had that wrong before this part's really cool because now it's a complete counter melody and it took me so many times listening to this Liz to figure out what part I want to listen to and now I can kind of equally listen to them both there's a lot going on here but it works uh, together in such a congruent fashion so 
Tell us what the thought was here of having it. And I'll, I'm going to read the lyrics real quick and I'll, I'll have you set it up. Uh, again, you're saying future heartbreak, future headaches. You're, you're repeating the chorus. But behind it, I'm hearing, uh, and I don't know if you're doing it. It sounds more like it, it might be Ben or Jonathan singing this part. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong with the lyrics, but the floodgates are down. Mm-hmm. It's the Marlboro Sounds. Uh, wall, sounds, yep. Walls become thin and somebody gets in. It's a well-designed woe. Everyone that I know is broken. Yeah. And it's biting off the back half of the verses melody that I wanted to hear repeated, but only happens, <laughs> I'm saying once in, in each time. And now you're getting it because this part happens twice behind the chorus. idea was it for ha- to have that melody come back i think it was mine yeah i think it just i think that was in the original demo that i made myself on the computer at home and sent it out that was really fun just kind of discovering that that line i was like something needs to happen here in these last couple choruses and just figuring out that last line fits and then kind of like so taking the third the third verse one and then going back to the second verse one and then the back to the third uh the first verse one and being like, oh, it kind of tells a story when you like, it's like you're, you're you're telling a story, which in reverse of the song, but it, it still makes sense. And you get to finish on that line, everyone that I know is broken, which is like a weirdly depressing line um, to finish on. But I kind of like that. And it actually only happened once. But then when we played it together live, um, learning the song, we decided it needed one more round. Um, and I, I stopped singing the main chorus melody last time through. And um, the boys just keep singing that part. And then that's when the song finishes on that depressing note. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I have a term for it. I've heard in you know in the studio over the years that, you know, at the end of a song, a lot of times you'll you'll we call it throwing in the kitchen sink or it's a train wreck, you know, and, and this yeah. <laughs> this this is if I've ever seen one or heard one, a classic train and sometimes a train wreck or a kitchen sink does not work. And this just it is so cool. And like I said, it took me so many listens to figure. At first, I was like, well, the chorus is still going over here, but yet there's this new melody. But wait, that's not new. That's the that's the back half of the verses. It's just it's a really, really well thought out and well written part. It's it's really, really great. Um, I love Thanks. that the lyric ends on everyone that I know is broken and it ends on what I like to call the suspense chord. It ends on the E. It never resolves back to the B. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty smart. <laughs> I love that. Um, did, did you ever ever resolve back to the B or ever ever tie it up or you, you wanted to, to be left, uh, the, I call it the suspense cord? No, nah, no, nah, it, felt, it felt good. It felt good leaving it there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think I end a lot of songs on the, on the four like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe too many. Feels good. I like to do. I like to do that too. So the song's uh, written. You're in the studio. Jonathan's producing. The song's done, and and you hear it back. Did it exceed your expectations from those first demos and those first scrawls on paper? Or when it was finally recorded, was it? Were you like, "There's really something here"? Were you happy with it? It took a little. It took quite a lot of finessing. This one, like, because it's so bitsy and because there's so many different like guitar sounds in it and stuff. It it took quite a little bit of like quite a lot of tweaking to get it really working but once we had it working i think we it it just it was like it it suddenly was it felt great and we, we got the song working at a similar time to like maybe happy unhappy and i think you wouldn't like me and and maybe one more song and those were the first kind of four songs that we started kind of sending out to people before the album was was done mixing yeah and it was strange because like like i said like we were playing before before the record came out in 2018 we all of those songs we were playing live except for maybe river run yeah it, it, it was nice to kind of like feel it very comfortable with those songs but and then finally hear them in a like polished sparkling form which in you know the most recent record that we made we hadn't played most of the, most of those songs live mm-hmm. and so the first version that you kind of get used to is the one on the recording so it was a nice feeling 
do you recall if there was a difference prior to it being recorded when you would play it and your audience heard it and now it's recorded and they've they've been able to digest it and hear it uh you know recorded do you remember the first time you played it after it was released and what the response was well first time after it was released would have been i guess it didn't get released until we had already started um touring when we first toured overseas we only had our ep out but like the thing is like we played in auckland and like maybe around the rest of new zealand we played we played those songs in auckland you know like hundreds of times probably yeah so like um we would play them to songs of our friends who, who already knew you know like all, all the words just from coming to the gigs so um so they already but, loved them <laughs> yeah so I, i'm not sure yeah it, it felt it felt crazy just like being overseas and then kind of like playing songs to people who never heard of us before and then suddenly the album kind of came out and suddenly people did know the lyrics i mean that's pretty wild and really really special something we we really miss so yeah well you 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 deserve it your your band is a is a wealth of talent the songs are great and uh, I, I really appreciate you you coming on today and, and taking the time out to talk to us. And uh, I'd like you to leave the listeners with anything uh, coming up with the best that you'd, you'd like to promote. Um, oh, just lots of international touring. I am kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, we released our, our, our new record in, in July this year. It's called Jumper Up Gazers. And oh, this year. Sorry. It was in 2020. Sorry. The eternal year. Um and it's you know it's still uh, it's still out. We decided to um, leave it out. Um, yeah, I mean, have a listen to that if you want. We I don't know. We're working on new stuff, so just I'm just writing a lot. <laughs> well, sounds good. We'll we'll keep writing, keep doing your thing, and uh, congratulations on all your success and your continued success. I, I wish you nothing but the absolute best. So thank you very much. Thanks so much, Chris. It's been real nice. Uh, getting real deep into Future Me Hates Me, the song. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Plastic from North London. You got Chris Limpert on guitar and vocals, Jack Watley on the drums, and Greg Powells on the bass. I love these guys' sound. You can find their music on all the streaming services, and you can find them online on Instagram and Facebook. Here's a snippet of their song, Bled. Rap with Chris and Chris. So I've been personally excited, just as I know your bandmate Roger Lima was excited about this Beth's episode for a long time, having Liz on, just because I'm such a giant fan of this band. And to even narrow it down to just Future Me Hates Me, which I love this song, but I love the I love both of their full lengths front to back. And no pun intended, but I've been stoked about this episode for quite a while. Yeah, Roger has been a proponent of this band for some time now. He keeps talking about the Beths, and finally I checked them out, and then I told you about them, and it's just been uh, kind of an avalanche. You know, I wanted to ask her, and at some point I was almost there, and I didn't really know how to do it. Uh, I wanted to ask her how old she was. I, I, I researched it. I couldn't find out her age, and, and it, it, that should be here nor there, but I, I just am fascinated I, I said it in the episode there's a maturity to her songwriting that just it sounds like you know they've been a band for 30 years uh, someone uh, in their early 20s just typically doesn't write this this in depth and this uh, there's just so many moving parts to the, to this song in particular that that all work so well together there's elements of the Beths that seem like they're from 
our world, and by our world, I mean like kind of the punk rock world, uh, whether it's the gu guitar tones, some of the melodies, but there's also elements that are from the indie rock world. And then like you said in the episode, there's elements of like, 70s influence. Uh, uh, Chrissy Hind is a great comparison of, of someone that I, I would sort of compare it to, like the Pretenders. There's elements of 90s. I, I don't even know. I don't. I don't know what this amalgamation of influence is. And yeah, they went to school together and were studying jazz. So <laughs> makes makes sense of that. I, I don't really know how to, but I do know that. Their music is very interesting to me. I never get bored listening to it. And I think that's why I love listening to their albums front to back. Yeah, you know, can, can consider me a fan. They're they're great songwriters. And I think that uh, people are going to be hearing a lot about them. Uh, as Liz said, that they, they want to get back out and tour. I think that uh, this is a, a band that just needs to get in front of people. They just need to to go do their thing. And I love, and it's just, it's it's such the, the Kiwi way. The folks from New Zealand, people from New Zealand, they have such a great sense of humor. And when you see their videos, they just, you know, they, they, oh, they can laugh so at themselves and, and have fun. And it's, it, it, they're just a fun band. Yeah. If anyone hasn't checked out the music videos from the Beths, they're, they're amazing. They're so, so good. And yeah, you see the sense of humor come through. You see a little bit of that self-deprecating, which even she got into a little bit of that talking about this song, she was talking about liking someone, but there being this plausible deniability. I made a note when she said that because <laughs> it's because in a way it's like a song being like, "I like you," but I'm I'm just joking about that, <laughs> you know, and like that picture of her just shutting the door to her room and kind of like slinking down against the wall. And it's funny because hearing you talk to her, I think a lot of times the guests that we have on this show have very big personalities. Maybe a lot of people that are used to having conversations about songs and music and done a ton of podcasts and things like that. I, I think maybe you and I fall into that category <laughs> probably. Uh, but I feel like Liz comes across as being just as humble as her music and lyrics make her seem. Like the person and the music just mesh and make sense to me together. You know? It's a perfect match. Yes, I agree. Yeah. At least the impression I got from that conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a, a purity. Like there's an honesty uh, behind behind the music. Right. And that's that's what you get with her. If she was just like, uh, I don't know, just, yo, what's up, man? You know, that just wouldn't have matched <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what it was. And, and and you just get that that honesty. You know, I love, I love the lyrics uh, to this song. And one line that really sticks out, it's in that pre-chorus. There's something about you I want to risk going through. And I mean, haven't we all felt that? You know, it's that vulnerability right. that we have. It could be even in a in a business relationship or a friend relationship, but more than not, it's in a love relationship of, man, I really feel something here, but ooh, I don't know. Maybe I got out of a bad breakup or a bad relationship and where the hell is this headed? But I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to risk it because, you know, I don't know. I think a lot about that feeling. And Chris, I don't know if you ever felt this feeling after you wrote a song and released it and you wrote it about somebody and then finding out that they heard the song <laughs> and, you know, and it's someone that maybe you just liked, but not someone you were necessarily dating, especially when you're younger and, and you do that. Uh, it's such a, a weird feeling and it's, yeah, vulnerable, I guess, is the right word for it, but it, it makes you feel very uncomfortable. So I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I know a lot of people we've had as guests on this podcast have. I, I have had the experience with uh, the song Jen Doesn't Like Me Anymore. And, and and that's that. We'll save that for another episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a that... pretty crazy, crazy story behind that one. It's uh, really funny, actually. Um, and now that so much time has gone by, it's uh, something we'll, we'll get into at some point. But yeah, she, I really admire. Again, I know Canada does this. I believe Australia. But uh, New New Zealand, they they give their artists, the government, it, it's funded to support the arts and support music. They will give them money to go out and tour. They will give them money to go overseas. And I think that is just uh, 
beautiful. I would I would love to see some type of legislation or something to come into the states for 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 something like that for 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 younger bands. Right, and like Liz said in the episode, just for the visas alone, it could be like ten grand for your band to go. Not to mention the plane tickets and. On top of all the normal expenses that we have to deal with, even living in the States and just jumping in a van and going like that. I was thinking about that a lot, thinking about being in New Zealand. And I mean, I'm sure it's awesome playing in New Zealand, but anywhere else you want to go, we have the luck. We have the, I call it luxury. Maybe it's not always luxury, but we can hop in a vehicle if we have access to one and go play a show. You know, we could stuff stuff in a car if we have to and go play a show eight hours away if it's that important to us. But if you're in New Zealand, you don't have that option. Well, like I said, there's only a couple cities to, to play in New Zealand. And once you exhaust those, you have to either go to Australia, which is, you know, still a three-hour flight away to, to go play. But, uh, yeah, I've had people ask me, what's that flight like to New Zealand? You know, I'm like, well, from, you know, West Coast from LA, you basically uh, see that chair over there? Go sit over there, and every three hours, I'll bring you a piss warm Coke and sit there for 15 hours. And in 15 hours, I'll tell you to get up, we'll be in Auckland. It's. It's right. it's it's a long uh, it's a long flight. So uh, yeah, again, it's it, it's cool that they can uh, they can get some uh, help from the government to to get places and and hopefully they'll be back out there touring sooner than later. Yeah, I mean it's impressive also that a band from New Zealand. I feel lucky for myself that I was able to hear them, and maybe part of that is <laughs> New Zealand itself helping a little bit, helping get them into our ears. And uh, you know, and I've seen great articles and reviews from publications like Rolling Stone and and the like that have uh, rained praise upon the Beths, and I think it is well-deserved. Absolutely. You know who I'd like to rain praise upon, Chris? Who is that? The listeners of our podcast who are so generous and donate each month to ChrisDemakesADifference.com. They are generous. Uh, without you, we could not do this, as uh, most of you know that uh, are regular listeners. And for those that don't know, we do a fundraiser here each month. And this month's fundraiser is the Superhero Center for Autism, which is a nonprofit organization in the Rockford, Illinois area, offering support, education, and resources for individuals with autism and other special needs and their families. So please head over to ChrisDemakesADifference.com com and uh, donate whatever you can. We really appreciate it. This is a wonderful organization. Yeah, for sure. Like I always say, if you can chip in a buck or two bucks or five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever you can afford, it all adds up, especially because there are a lot of you listening to the podcast now and I'm not trying to brag. I mean, I know you guys are tuning in partially because our guests are so good, <laughs> but you know, we got to take a little bit of credit for this. Uh, we're pretty psyched I, I I can't lie. We're pretty psyched about the stats and numbers of our podcast lately because they've been kind of, uh, to us anyway, pretty mind boggling how many people are tuning in each week. And I won't lie when it's Monday and a new episode comes out, I'm always texting Chris, uh, updates of like, dude, blank number of people have listened to the podcast already today. That's exciting. I want to say thank you to everybody for that, too, just for listening. That's That's nice. right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for jumping in uh, on our Facebook group. Krista Makes the Podcast Facebook group. Please join. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good time in there. We're always, uh, uh, Chris is in there posing questions, and we're doing different polls, and we're finding out who you want to be guests on the show, and it's just a lot of fun. So if you haven't already, please join that group. And if you'd like to advertise on Krista Makes the Podcast, shoot an email to advertising at soundtalentmedia.com, and uh, we'll get you all the info. Uh, on how you can advertise uh, pretty much whatever you'd like to on our show. Again, that email address is advertising at soundtalentmedia.com. I can't wait to hear what we get advertisements about on our podcast because I know that we have some wild fans out there (laughs) who are going to... I think that there's probably some fan of the podcast out there who just has a lot of money and wants to just advertise themselves or something. Like, I think that that's probably a possibility judging by the people that I talk to in our group and stuff. Uh, Yeah, so if you want to support the podcast... Hey, that goes a long way. Advertising, you know, we do put a lot of hours into this and stuff. We do have some expenses and things like that. Uh, So that definitely helps. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you know, you'd think that maybe the advertisements would be, uh, you know, music or music product, uh, 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 business-related-centric. But who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, someone advertising their grandma's fruitcake recipe for the holidays. You just never know. You don't know, man. Uh, And either way, (laughs) I think that this is a great place to advertise and... 
we know that advertising works because we advertise our own things on our own podcast and uh and it works so uh yeah hit up what's that email address again oh it's advertising at soundtalentmedia.com if you're interested in rates and stuff you got it cool. you got it and if you haven't already give me a follow on instagram i want you to follow me i promise to be somewhat funny that's at less than chris d give me a follow instagram less than chris d and i want to thank this week's guest liz stokes from the Beths for another awesome episode. We'll see you next week. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.